0: And this is why I believe that the mental health idea or the idea or the perception around mental health is really broken. Welcome to the Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses, and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Hey, Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Today, I'm going to talk about why I think the mental health system is broken and why we need to change the way that we think about it and maybe even the way that we need to deal with it as a society and just in general anyway. And this is from my experience. This is what I guess I've learned. But I think if you listen through it with an open mind, you'll probably resonate a lot with it as well. And hopefully you'll share it with some people around you that might be struggling a little bit with some mental health stuff or may have even been trying stuff for many, many years and not getting the results they want. So let's get into it. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo, founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute, where we focus on business mindset and lifestyle optimization for driven mofos. And the reason why I do these episodes is that most people will waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. Well, I was thinking this morning and I was thinking about physical rehabilitation and I've been doing a lot more training and I went to a seminar a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Andrew Locke, who is one of Australia's top. Powerlifters, I guess, who's also one of Australia's top, or if not the world's top physiotherapists when it comes to powerlifting, strength, conditioning, back rehabilitation. He's definitely up there with the best. The guy looks like a polar bear. He's big, solid, has this awesome, like crazy blondish hair. A lot of the time it's in a mohawk, or I think he had it plaited when we were there. I came across him anyway, just on social media. I was looking across Instagram and came across him and he gave some really amazing advice around physical rehabilitation. And one of his philosophies is don't weaken the strength, strengthen the weakness. And the reason why I said this is because in a lot of injuries, and I'll just talk a little bit about physical rehabilitation, what I noticed with my own body years ago when I was studying physical rehab was that you would get tight muscles. And let's say you've got tight pecs because you're sitting at the computer all day and you're working, and then you go to the gym and you exercise. What will happen is you end up tightening your chest more and the muscles in the back of your shoulders start to spasm. And those muscles are spasming because they're trying to contract. And they're contracting because they want to try to pull your shoulder blades back. So your muscles on the front of your body are tight all the time and they're your strength. But then what happens is that people then go to other physiotherapists or they go to, you know, personal trainers and they say you should stretch. So you should stretch your tight muscles. But your tight muscles are tight most of the time because they're strong. And they're strong because they are your strength. So then what happens is most people punish their strength. So they'll start stretching their chest muscles. They'll stretch out their hips. And those muscles then that are strong get weak, but they don't strengthen the weakness. And so because of that, they end up actually just creating more and more issues. And you'll find that if you have a tight chest because you're sitting on the computer all day and you go to the gym and you work out and you do a lot of pressing movements or a lot of movements in front of your body, that's your strength. So if you stretch it, you're making your strength a weakness. And so you're weakening the muscle and then you're just leaving it there. And so what will happen is your body has to try to figure out how to stabilize and it's got to figure out how to stabilize the joint. So what it will do is it will then slowly over time, try to go back into your strength. So if you're one of those people out there who keeps stretching your muscles and those muscles keep tightening all the time, that's because that's actually your strength. What Andrew Locke talks about, which is what I love, he talks about don't punish your strengths. So don't stretch the strong muscles. What he says is strengthen your weaknesses. So for the people out there who consistently stretch their chest, you need to strengthen the muscles in between your shoulder blades. Now, I won't get into all the musculature of the shoulder and all that stuff, but you need to strengthen your back muscles and the muscles in between your shoulder blades to make them stronger. When people work and they end up with a back injury, and he's a back injury specialist, he said when people injure their back, they've normally injured their back because their back is their strength. If you watch someone pick something off of the ground, they don't use their legs and their glutes to stand up or their bum muscles. They don't use their bum and their legs to lift things up. They will bend over and they will use their lower back. And they keep using their lower back because their back muscles are their strength. They're the strong muscles. And so they are always tight. But what most people do is they stretch their back and they don't strengthen their legs or they don't strengthen their glutes. And so over time, eventually they just keep using their back, using their back, using their back, using their back and bang, one day they blow out their back. Now, I was thinking about this from a mental health perspective. Because I guess I need to get to the point of why the hell am I talking about physical rehab and what does this have to do with mental health? Well, when I listen to a lot of the metaphors or the ideas around mental health and metaphors are stories, when I listen to most people's stories around mental health, you'll hear people say things like, well, you know what? This person has a mental health issue because, you know, they've been strong for too long. Like people with mental health issues have been strong for too long. Okay, fair enough. Well, let's just say that that's true. And then other people say, you know what? People with mental health issues are just weak. They just have these weaknesses and that's why it's their weaknesses. But let's just say that that could be true too. Like, let's just agree with both of those two theories. But when I look at physical rehab, I go, okay, so the strong muscles are normally the ones that will tighten up and we tend to move back to our strengths. So all humans will move to their strengths. And we tend to do this naturally as a survival response and as a primitive response. We don't even think about it. We just move to our strengths. So if you're good at doing something, you tend to want to do that thing that you're good at because you've been rewarded multiple times in the past. So we want to do things that we get rewarded for and that we find some sort of benefit for. We also tend to avoid doing things that are our weaknesses. So let's just say that we use that theory that you know people with mental health conditions or people with mental health issues are always strong. And that's the reason why they have mental health issues now is because they were strong for so long that now eventually they've just melted down. Or let's just use the theory that they are weak and that they have no mental strength and blah, blah, blah. Let's use that as an example. Well, maybe both of those could be true, but also what about the idea of balance? Okay, because what we're trying to do is when a muscle is strong, It will pull the shoulder, let's just say it's a shoulder muscle, it will pull it into its strength, but then it also makes the other side weak. So you have, at the same time when you have an imbalanced shoulder, you'll have strength and weaknesses which cause imbalances. So what about if we use a different theory that mental health issues are an imbalance? Now, some people, if you look at biology, biologists will say that mental health issues are a chemical imbalance. Well, that could also be true. But it could also be a strength and a weakness. So now when we start to think about mental health issues as potentially maybe strengths, weaknesses, and imbalances, and we start asking different questions like where are the strengths, where are the weaknesses, and where are the imbalances, we start to see mental health from a whole new perspective. And very, very rarely do people even think about this, including some of the world's supposed experts in mental health. And in psychology, I'm not sure why. I mean, I heard a theory the other day. I was talking to a health expert. We were just talking and I said, imagine if in our society, there's this whole idea of that, you know, women and men are the same and we're all equal and all this sort of stuff. And so, you know, I heard this idea about the military had downgraded some of their skills assessments because there weren't many females passing. They wanted more females in the military. So they downgraded or downregulated their skills assessments. So what they did is they lowered their standard in order to let more females in to the military. Now, I don't know if this is still true. I know that some of our past participants who'd come from the military had spoken about this. So I don't know if it's still true or whether they have changed it or not, but they just lowered the standard. And I said, imagine in society or in the university system, if they lowered the standard of things. So imagine if they just said, you know what? There's not a lot of people with low IQs in medicine. So what we'll do is we'll lower the standard because we need to get more people with low IQs into medicine because then that way it makes it more fair for everybody and we're not taking the best we just want to make it inclusive and so instead of conforming to making it the best they make it inclusive which is a different goal I said imagine if the universities did this and they said to me they stopped me and they said Michael they did this years ago with teachers they actually lowered the standard of university to try to get more teachers in And they wanted to make it more inclusive, so they lowered the standard. And she said, have you ever wondered why it seems that there are a lot of people out there who, even though they seem to be university qualified and very intelligent from a book point, that they're not really that great at thinking? And I went, oh, fuck, I never thought about that. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. That was her perspective that she shared with me. I do know that the people who shared that with me were from the military and I heard about it happening. So these are just some examples that I'm using. I don't know if it's still true or not or whether they have upped the IQ or the grades for teaching or not. And so the reason why I bring this up is because if you have a system now that is tuning out people who work in mental health or mindset or psychology or any field in general, and they have lowered the standards of critical thinking To be able to question things, which unfortunately the university system does not like, hence why I've avoided going to it. And some of you out there may have come up against this challenge. I mean, we get a lot of highly intelligent people who come to my events, including medical doctors and so on. And one of their criticisms is that if you challenge the field too much, you'll be destroyed. They essentially will just wipe you out. And this happens in medicine all the time. Okay, And we saw it with COVID. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't have an opinion upon it. There were different people with different perspectives about what was going on but anyone who challenged the conformist thinking of this is acceptable and anything outside of that, we just essentially wipe you out. Doctors were having licenses to practices taken away. Doctors were being, I guess, deregistered. Nurses were being deregistered and were not allowed to work and all of these things. Now, the problem with that is it stops exposing people to critical thinking. And the problem with that is that the scientific methodology should stand challenge. If I say, I don't believe in gravity, and you can pull out so much data and so much evidence that proves gravity, then someone who is an intelligent, critical thinker should go, okay, well, here are some of the questions that I have about gravity, and you should be able to go back and forth until a consensus is reached, and that is good science. Good science is challenging what we believe to be true in order to find a consensus. Now, that doesn't even mean that the consensus that you came to is true. It just means that it's true now. And Albert Einstein said, today's facts are tomorrow's fiction. Now, this is one of the greatest thinkers in history. So we need more critical thinking. And at the moment, unfortunately, critical thinking isn't that well received. And I have been absolutely criticized by people with degrees saying, well, this is bullshit. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not qualified. But the reason why I haven't gone to university, even though I've read the majority of the textbooks that they've read and have done probably a lot more study than what they've done, many of them, not all of them is because I didn't want to have my critical thinking and my ability to think critically taken away from me. All I give a shit about is results. I care about what the outcome is from the person that I'm working with. So that means if I have to push buttons, pull levers, do different things outside of the norm, that I should be able to do that in order to get the best results. Now, the reason why that's not allowed is because when you have someone who can't think critically and who's a fucking moron, what will happen is they tend to do dumb shit. And when they do dumb shit, It ends up hurting people. When they hurt people and they don't take responsibility or accountability for those actions, then they don't grow, they don't learn. So we need to have governing bodies that then go, well, hang on, you're a bad person. You know, you can't do your job. So we'll take your license to practice away from you. You need to have critical thinking, right? That's probably the most important skill set in most people's life is critical thinking. And I find that a lot of people have that beaten out of them at school. I learned this at school when I used to question teachers, I would get in trouble. And I would get in trouble not because I was trying to cause issues with the teacher. I was inquisitive. I wanted to know things. I didn't understand why certain things had to be done certain ways. And so I wanted to know. And so I kept asking questions. And eventually, I'd get in trouble or I'd get out of class because I was a critical thinker. I still am. And so very rarely do I accept things as black and white. There's always different ways of looking at things. And it all depends on your perspective. You know, you can look at the same thing from four different angles and they all look different. Just a car, if you look at it from the front, the back, and then both sides, they're all different. And then underneath and on top as well, you've got six sides there you can look at. Every one of them looks different. So in order to make an assumption from a one-sided point of view, from a system that tells you whether you're right or wrong based on the opinion of that system, then I think that that's pretty fucked up and it stops critical thinking. Now let's get back to this mental health thing. From what I have seen and from my own experience from working with tens of thousands of people and having worked with people who have had very heavy mental health conditions, whether it be suicide, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, drug addiction, all those things, I don't advertise that I work with them because that's not my strength, it's not my specialty. But what I do is I think what's gonna be the best outcome that I can possibly get at the person that I'm working with. What I'm looking for is what really is it that stops them or prevents them from getting that? So instead of thinking, right, they've got this mental health condition, we need to treat it with this way. I look at it and go, what's the best outcome for the person? So it's a different question and questions help us to focus. So what I realized over time, first of all, is that in the mental health industry, the majority of the time they're trying to deal with the mental health problem, Now, if you focus on the problem all the time and you think about the problem, you focus about the problem, you talk about the problem, then all you do is you exacerbate the problem. What I thought was, I thought let's look at this from a different angle. What makes a person great? Something that makes a person great is normally their ability to live life on their own terms and do things their own way, which means getting clear with exactly what I teach at Thrive Time. The three key pillars, getting clear with your fulfillment through your values, purpose, lifestyle balance. And when I say lifestyle balance, it's your lifestyle balance based on your values, not based on what everyone else tells you lifestyle balance is. Number two and pillar number two is making sure that people really understand what direction that they're heading in. And in order to do that, they need to understand their visions and their mission. And if they're clear with that, then it will also create drive. So you've got mission, you've got visions, And you also have goals, and you should never really set goals unless you understand your mission, your purpose, and your values, and also what lifestyle balance looks like to you based on your values. And then the final one is high-performance psychology and high-performance habits, because they create your drive, they create your resilience, they create your ability to navigate your own psychology when you're moving in the direction that you want to, being fulfilled at the task that you're doing. What I realized was that when someone loves what they do and they understand what they're focusing on and they don't have too much external influence that's trying to push them off track and tell them what they should be, how they should act, how they should behave, what they should do and so on. What I found was the majority of people who had mental health issues or you know, internal chaos or stress or this huge amount of pressure where they had to be strong all the time in order to deal with that and then they would eventually collapse and burn out. What I realized was that that would go away and they could just live their life. And so what I found was that the majority of the time, if you just get people clear with what they really want and give them direction, most of the time, the mental health issues will take care of themselves. If you've got a child who keeps coming in with a scraped knee and you keep trying to fix the scraped knee and then you start looking at injuries and you know how to deal with injuries, then what's going to happen is you're going to keep dealing with the injuries. That doesn't tell you why the child keeps coming in with a fucking scraped knee. To me, it's like counterintuitive. It's so obvious without asking the right questions. Like, what are you doing in life in order to make you scrape your knees all the time? Most health professionals spend so much time focusing on the problem and the actual cause of the problem or what they perceive as the cause of the problem, which isn't really the cause of the problem. If you speak to the child, the child's like, well, I keep running around. I'm playing soccer, but I'm playing soccer or football. I'm playing on gravel. And so I fall over and I scrape my knees. Yet that parent is spending all their effort and energy figuring out how to make sure that the injury doesn't get infected, how to make sure to address the wound, how to make sure to best heal that part of the child, all of that sort of stuff. But they're not stopping it at the cause, which is the child keeps running and sliding on gravel and hurting themselves. Now, in life, what I realize is that there's so many people out there, and this is my perspective, by the way. Now, I'm going to get criticized for this. I know that, but if I can just resonate with one person out there and say, maybe try something different, go and consult your doctor, go and consult your health professionals, but have something else different to think about and ask yourself this question, am I really living the life that I want? And do I know what that is? And also, do I have the tools to be able to do that? Because what I realize is that when people are achieving great things in life and when they're winning, they tend to be fulfilled. They tend to have good mental health. But when people feel like they're losing, they can never win, they feel like, They push hard all the time, then collapse in a heap. That's normally driven from something else that's not really them. I knew as a kid, like when I look back now, the reason why I was depressed and wanted to kill myself when I was 15 was because my mum had set all these expectations for me. And it wasn't her fault. She was just a young mum who, you know, had to give up her career in order to look after us kids. And she was 17 when she fell pregnant with me. So she had to give up her career. And so she was living vicariously through me. And there was a lot of pressure. You got to go to school, got to get a good education. And then I would get in trouble all the time when I didn't match those expectations. You know, I wasn't good at school. I was good at some things in school, but not a lot of things. And so I would get in trouble when I didn't meet her expectations. Yet I would try at school. I would try not because I wanted to be at school, but because I wanted to please mum. And then there were lots of friends at school that I tried to fit into friendship groups and I didn't fit in. So I would adapt my behavior. And I kept adapting my behavior until I got expelled from school at 15. When, you know what? None of my friends are actually my real friends and I don't really fit in anywhere. I'm in trouble at school all the time because I can't live up to everyone else's expectations. I don't fit in with the other kids because I don't match their expectations. I want to fucking kill myself and end my life. And that's how I felt. And that's almost what I was about to do. I was about to end it at 15. When I realized that I can't make other people happy, when I was about to end my life, the night I was about to end my life, I had a knife in my hand and I was about to cut my wrists. I ended up getting so angry at myself. I was crying. I was bawling my eyes out and I was crying with a kitchen knife in my hand and it was super sharp. I checked it. I could shave my hairs on my arms with it. In fact, I checked it before I was going to do it. I got so angry with myself. I threw the knife across a room and it cut my blinds in my bedroom. And I realized that I would never, ever, ever allow anyone else to dictate my worth. That was probably one of the most empowering experiences of my life and also the thing that led me to better myself, to want to be better in life. And so what I realized is that when you try to live up to everyone else's expectations and you lose your own expectations for yourself, and you lose yourself in the process of trying to please others and live up to everyone else's expectations, which you'll never be able to do. And you don't set your own expectations for your own growth based on where you're at in life. It's so easy to fall into mental health issues and start developing things like anxieties where you're in a rush all the time. You're putting pressure on yourself in order to make sure that things work and things are perfect. And you put all this time pressure on yourself or you don't want to do the things you want to do. So you try to rush through them or get away from things. That creates a lot of anxiety. And when you realize that you can't live up to the expectations of others or the unrealistic expectations you set for yourself, you're going to be depressed as shit. And I've seen this happen time and time and time and time again. And like I said, this is my perspective. So if anyone out there wants to fucking hound me or hassle me, I'm more than happy to have a conversation about this and take on your philosophies and your theories and give you mine, providing it is an intelligent conversation. But I've also had a lot of people out there who criticize me, who have a client list that they've had for 20 years that they've been working with who talk week in, week out about the fucking problem of mental health and why this person has depression, why this person has anxiety and why their childhood's fucked up and why they're a victim and blah, blah, blah. That person is now trapped in that environment because of that therapist and that practitioner, all because that therapist and that practitioner is following the rules and following the way that they've been taught without critical thinking. And they keep focusing on the problem without really trying to understand the solution or maybe the cause of what's really going on. I really believe that the majority of people that I've worked with normally find better mental health when they find a way of winning in life. And when someone feels like they can't win, they are going to feel like shit and beat themselves up. And it is so unfortunate that there are so many people in our society who have created so many expectations. Like they get on Instagram and they look at someone, they go, I don't have a six pack yet they set the expectation for themselves that they should have one. They look at someone else and they go, that person's on an amazing diet. I'm gonna set that expectation for myself and I'm gonna have a perfect diet. Without realizing that they're a mum of three kids and that the majority of their time is spent running around looking after the kids, which is almost three full-time jobs. And now they're going to go and try and do a bodybuilding diet At the same time as looking after three kids under the age of six that are all like high energy, intense kids. That is just looking for a way of setting yourself up to be depressed and for feeling like you're not good enough. And so that causes a lot of issues. If you're a business person, you think that business should be perfect all the time. and You're working really, really hard to get your business and to make sure that your family are financially independent. Yet at the same time, you get home and your partner grills you because you're not home enough and you don't spend enough time with your family. So you start to adapt your behaviors and you think, you know, I need to be a better parent, but I'm not good enough. I'm not a good dad or I'm not a good mum, or I'm not a good parent. And I'm not there for the school teacher interviews all the time. And I don't give enough support to my partner. So now I'm not a good enough partner. You are definitely going to be down. You are eventually, if you keep doing shit like that and setting unrealistic expectations for yourself based upon what you're really trying to achieve in life. Due to your lack of clarity around what your skill sets are, what your values are, what your purpose is, what your mission is, what your goals are in life, and having honest, good quality conversations with people around you like your intimate partner and your kids, then eventually you're going to end up in this fucking rut because you can't live up to the expectations that you set for yourself based on other people's expectations also who are probably also unrealistic in the way that they live life. And so in this day and age, it is so easy to live with unrealistic expectations and to set the bar so high in so many different areas of life that you can never win. What I have found consistently happens is those who have normally, especially when they feel depressed consistently, normally that is created from not being able to live up to the expectations of somebody else, if not many, many, many people. And I think social media has exacerbated this because we look at others who seem to be doing well in one area of life and we think, shit, I could do that too. Well, you probably could, but that's one area of life. You know, the person who has an amazing body may have a shit intimate relationship and you have a great intimate relationship, yet now you feel like you're worthless and not good enough because you've got a bit more weight on. You don't have a six pack and you don't have this clean, perfect diet. You're not going to the gym five days a week, but you're not honoring the fact that you're amazing in your intimate relationship to the person out there who's listening to this, who feels like a shitty parent, yet at the same time they work their ass off and do 16, 70 hours a week to send their kids to private school and stuff like that. And then they get home and they get grilled by their partner that they're not a good enough partner and they're not a good enough you know, dad or mum or whatever. That is so unfair. And it happens so much in our society in this day and age because we're set up to have such unrealistic expectations based on self comparisons that most people are setting themselves up to have a mental health crisis. Okay, Driven Mofos, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. This is part one of a two-part series of mental health destruction or the destruction of mental health and some of my thoughts, my theories, and some of my ideas behind what I think about mental health and also how we can move forward, progress, and change it for those who want to anyway. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've always been a bit afraid to do episodes like this because I know that in the past I've received some pretty tough criticism. I've also been attacked online for it, but I think that it's time that I come out and talk a lot more about it. So please, if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it around. I would love to get this stuff out to more people, but like I said, I've always been a little bit cautious of talking about this stuff just based on my experience and also from the experience that I've seen happen with other individuals that bring a different idea, a different thought and a different paradigm to society. If you've enjoyed this episode and you think that it can help somebody, please share it. Anyway, I look forward to you joining me back here on episode or part number two of the destruction of mental health. Anyway, enjoy and I look forward to seeing you on here tomorrow. Remember to subscribe.